0: Welcome to Reality Issues, episode uh, six. Uh, I'm I'm Brian, and uh, this is this is Kathy. Hello, Kathy.
1: Hi, hi everyone.
0: Hello, and uh, it's uh, it's a beautiful uh, six p.m. for me, uh, Thursday, April twenty eighth, twenty twenty two, and we're here in reality.
1: It is four o'clock over here in the Rocky Mountain West of Santa Fe, New Mexico. In the
0: enchanted reality. Um, yeah. so much much nicer kinder gentler reality um so what do you uh what's been going on lately kathy um what, what, what are you willing to talk about i suppose
1: oh my goodness all kinds of things i guess um well i, I guess maybe i'll start with like uh uh my personal rescue nine one one. Oh okay but but i but i was but a mere bystander um
0: Yes, I-, I,
1: I was merely standing by. I, I didn't participate in this particular instance. Um,
0: Were you pulled by public officials at all about
1: your... No, 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 thank goodness. No, um, okay, good. no, I, 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 I thankfully was safe in my location. Um, But, you know, you never know in this day and age, right? At any moment, anything can change. At any moment, you could be uh, witnessing a spectacle or being drawn into such a spectacle. Like it just at any moment, like, like a TikTok could just break out. So like, it's just terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um I think it's like drive it's it's like drive by fame I like I'm, I don't like it How many years um, until
0: you think that um uh making a TikTok in public is is a, considered a crime
1: I don't, I, I mean, I kind of hope never, okay. but like, I, I just, uh, I, I just think it's, I, I think it's, it's kind of like spitting on the street. I think it's just more about yeah. uh, like having manners, yeah. right? Like, I, I don't, I don't believe in laws, you know? I, yeah. I you know. Now they do the art bus I,
0: drivers, and I think that's why they keep getting. <laughs> yes,
1: that's people. exactly <laughs> correct, right? So uh... I
0: remember they started that center lane where only buses were supposed to go like a few years ago, and like the f- day one, like it hit a car, like day one. I was just <gasps> oh, like, my god no okay all right so
1: let's give so let's give our listeners some context so uh it was my birthday uh recently and uh so to celebrate uh, me and my delightful fellow we went down to albuquerque and uh uh we're we're going to do typical birthday celebration events right we're gonna we're gonna go have dinner go to a show right like just listen to some music and, you know, just, just generally enjoy the warm desert evening. And uh, so we go out to dinner and uh, we're, we're near downtown Albuquerque, like just kind of right near central. Um, and, you know, we're enjoying ourselves. We're at a very nice little restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, you know, kind of quiet and, you know, it's, it's romantic and, you know all of the plates and cocktails have silly names, you know one of those kinds of places and uh
0: a perfect moment so, for a jostling event,
1: <laughs> yeah but it's right on a busy street corner mm-hmm. where all of the buses are and if people have not been to albuquerque then you may not be familiar with well, one with the way albuquerque drivers are so i will i will be completely honest when i say that as a lifelong la driver who grew up learning how to drive on those hard la streets i find albuquerque incredibly terrifying and i want to also say that i've also driven the streets of mexico city mm-hmm. like i don't I, i'm not intimidated or scared it's just like wow like there are no rules out in albuquerque like truly the wild west like merge yield zipper merges like nobody knows what the fuck they're doing you cannot like some people will put their blinker on to go to the right and they immediately make a left like nothing makes That's sense a so like to
0: move to that one i don't even yeah. understand yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: just 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 lawlessness again yeah. like i don't believe in laws i believe in the social contract you know so like anyway just 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 terrifying right. whereas like i like the streets of la like you go 8590 and you don't you don't crash cuz everyone is like trained in this like blinker ballet and like ever like whenever you see it it's 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 it feels like synchronized swimming like a busby berkeley production in oh, los yeah. angeles I've, here
0: i i drove out there and that was yeah that was i couldn't 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 handle it i did for you know a couple of weeks and then i was glad to be <laughs> put that in my past <laughs> but no
1: but it requires training like you can't just go out there it takes discipline I think and like I figured that's what people in get situ. shot at i was like
0: oh yeah okay like i understand why people drive at like 95 miles an hour when they're on the freeway here is because you have to that so you just do this yeah, yeah. yeah
1: i and i'll be honest like whenever the news would say like oh somebody was shot at on the freeway i would usually default to the person getting shot at probably deserved it because like yeah you were probably not following the la social contract of the freeway you're only 15 over that's not enough yeah not enough not enough um (laughs) Or not using your blinker again. I think it's like a faux pas not to. And, and anyway, I will I will defend LA drivers to the death. I feel like like I never got into an accident in in California. Here, I feel like I have had to do more evasive maneuvering than I ever had to do in California. Like like yeah. near, like for my life. Like
0: yeah, <laughs> I would say a quick. Like a lot in of quick California, stops. it was just to like mm. avoid
1: like body damage to the car. You know,
0: road debris roving yeah. bandits stuff like that but mm-hmm. yeah albuquerque yeah. you have like uh, f- number 1 in the country for yeah, all kinds of every accident you can think of in a category they're all number 1 yeah terrifying yeah.
1: so anyway there we are enjoying a lovely dinner you know ha- having some you know cocktails with silly names and uh all of a sudden this person runs into the restaurant yelling uh, somebody call 911 Um, So all of us who are like just in the middle of this lovely dinner are just like kind of stunned because suddenly now we all have a a decision to make which one of us will do it. But luckily, immediately, you know, one of the uh, restaurant staff immediately just like it's like, I got it. Thank you. You know, and so, every you know, immediately put everyone at ease. But we're not really sure what's happened. Right. And so like the only way to find out would be to become a looky loo would be to literally leave our table and go to the window. Of course, there's these huge plate glass windows up at the front of the restaurant. Um, so we can see kind of what's happening, whether we want to or not.
0: Oh, anyway. You just get to see it on TV too. You don't even have to be like in the street. So you, you've entered you've entered a reality. You've entered a, uh, a people watching. It the- was a
1: hyper reality. Uh-huh. You know what I did yeah. immediately? I immediately was like, okay, first of all, like, if somebody's actually injured and like EMTs are on the way on their way, like, I don't, I don't want to sit there and gawk at somebody's like tragedy, you exactly. know, like that, that, that's again, part but of the social there contract. There is the part I of your brain that's street. making
0: you do it in the first place, which is like the funny part you have to fight that initial reaction, mm-hmm. which is to just mm-hmm. like, uh, like look at whatever is happening. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I, yeah really um, interesting. And then, of course, the spectacle only further begins to unfold, you know, uh, sirens and lights show up, traffic and honking and just like all kinds of other things. And that's, of course, when we kind of realize that it's likely a lot more worse than what we probably initially feared anyway. Um, At which point I immediately take to my Twitter account to find accounts of what is going on.
0: Yes, perfect.
1: Um so I I look for the you know Albuquerque Art Bus live tweet of, bus number 37 is delayed.
0: I want to find that account. I think I think I need to follow that. <laughs> Let me just say um there are a lot of accounts out there that track public services of all kinds, and um, mm-hmm. they're very revealing. Just 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 data that's publicly oh, yeah. available. You know, there's ones um, in uh, Chicago where you can watch they track planes that circle overhead. It automatically, it's on that ADSB exchange, the thing that you could go to, like track Jeffrey Epstein's planes when he was alive and all that stuff. But it, it automatically detects when planes are circling or helicopters, for example. So you can just see like well, where's the hotspot for, you know, the police in certain areas? Or even just for, like, when, you know, all that uh, stuff was happening most recently when we were having our international intrigue there um, and planes were flying in and out of the country, you could go and see everything that was happening, and I, I found that... Uh, very fascinating and and we talked about the cargo shipping as well and how just watching that right if you got good at that all day and wanted to live stream that that could become an entirely transfixing entertaining kind of thing to watch so um in the infinite sea of data you can track as entertainment Um, so
1: the um so like for example there's there's an account here in albuquerque um it, it's yeah it's like a bot and it's a it's a circular advisory and it's called sky circles abq on twitter and i like yeah, i cool. I, th- I just think it's simply fascinating fascinating right like e- even if it's just like oh i'm doing a water well inspection Very cool. they make the most amazing patterns in the sky like it's, it just makes me feel better too like oh it's just pnm checking the power lines like because you can tell you can kind of tell and then you can be like, Oh, this is KOB four that was doing a traffic alert.
0: That was actually how, um, if you remember, uh, earlier in the week, there was the baseball, um, game where the, the three or four parachutists came into a Washington nationals game. It was like their first home game or first home series or something like that. And, uh, everyone was confused they actually shut down like the capital because they for some reason didn't communicate (laughs) properly they were having a baseball game and doing the thing that people have been doing for 30 years at the beginning of a big home game having people drop in um and it just makes me think of uh (laughs) the fact that the reason i noticed it before anything was because i had the game like i don't know i had tuned on it earlier or whatever but i noticed on twitter that a bot came up someone had retweeted and saying like this plane's been circling around the national stadium for a long time and then a baseball fan on my feed retweeted like hey there's people like coming in there and i was like oh oh and then there you go there was the next story like the Capitol is closed <laughs> um because of a miscommunication because i mean it's just <laughs> but i like uh, knowing the news before because of uh, bots like that that's fun i guess you have your own uh, sort of news surveillance system just well, attention.
1: what I what I also love about the sky circles one is that uh, sometimes, and I I don't know what triggers it, right? Mm. Like, um, but sometimes it'll it, besides the like little flight path, it'll also say, "Oh, it's it's this aircraft with this registration, and here we happen to have a picture of it."
0: yeah right so like it'll even have a full like it'll say who owns it and everything yeah it's which is very valuable if it's an automatically detecting system so i guess it all must be from faa records or something it must have to be public so wow yeah um anyway i also
1: love it because of course here in new mexico right like we have all of these military bases Right, so we have mm. like white sands and kirtland and we have los alamos right it's so it's just kind of AMAX, fascinating yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just it's just you know every once in a while like you just see some weird shit and like you know it's a weird military plane yeah, you're not fine. asking too
0: many questions that are asking you're not i mean you're gonna be like to your friend you're gonna be like well wow that's crazy but we live in new mexico so that flying black triangle you know there's just some guy in there going like hey this is wild what a cool new aircraft i'm flying around <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. It's not like mysterious. It's just like, well, I guess they're clearly not gonna tell us anything about what they're doing. You know, they can yeah. so why would they? Or they don't need to.
1: It's like it's it's like demystifying like everyone like, you know, it's th- that's even kind of funny about like going to Roswell so often these days. Yes. <laughs> Which is that like, you know, like Everyone thinks like Roswell's like, oh, but you everyone there is like really wacky and they see aliens all the time. And it's like, no, it's just like some weird little town in southern New Mexico. And yeah. it's just it's yeah. just that all of these like weird UFO enthusiasts like show up once a year for a convention there or something. Yeah. Is know? that where they <laughs> do
0: contact in the desert or do they do that in like Arizona? Or so? I know the contact in the desert, if anyone doesn't know, oh. is like the big like paranormal convention for the whole world. Basically, all the book guys and every all the people come.
1: I have no idea. Uh, it might be Joshua Tree,
0: actually. They're big into that kind of stuff. There too. Yeah, like there, there's
1: this, there, I feel like there's this like really weird, like overlap with like crystals and sage. Oh, yeah,
0: that New Age, I don't know what it was, but somewhere in the crystal world. Yeah, they got into aliens. It was like became the same thing somewhere there. Yeah, um, maybe Very it was the, the Heaven's Gate people were way into crystals and aliens and all that stuff, too. Um, all at the same time and Christianity on top of all of that.
1: My crystals are pretty cool. I mean, you know. They're like they're just pretty. That's all. They're just cool rocks.
0: Oh yeah. But, crystals know. are dope. Yeah. Salt is a crystal. I don't know
1: what any I don't know what any of the crystals mean apparently like, you know, they like mean something. Like oh, if you have this one, it's like for feeling yes. grounded. Quartz. Which I would feel like is all of them because like all of them are from the ground.
0: Sorry. I guess the, 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 the uh, image in people's heads about the, the crystals is it takes millions of years for them to grow. And so they're like around things for a long time. I I mean, I would have to go back to some great books from the 80s probably to fully <laughs> figure out what people were trying to think back then. It's
1: going to be my next stop.
0: Yeah, like the uh, used bookstore, look up some good stuff.
1: Oh, around here? Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so uh, so let me... yeah, so that felt weird. It yeah, felt weird yeah, yeah. to like be able to like just sit there essentially, like not like a hundred yards from this spectacle, and then be able to just from the comfort of my own chair just see what's going on. Like that felt weird,
0: yeah so felt it, really weird. It must have been really, it must have really felt like watching something on TV, like absolutely. Um, which, yeah, very bizarre feeling.
1: And there was like one customer patron who like did leave their their seat to go to the window which also felt like they were concerned but i also was like
0: (sighs) that's a level of gross that is
1: (laughs) and yeah well but like but like you know there's this um did you ever see terry gilliams brazil
0: uh it's been too long to remember anything specific about it that was like 40. okay
1: yeah well I'll, I'll still say it for our listeners sorry i'm gonna it's there's no spoilers yeah. in this particular thing um i mean i guess if it's very general to the plot that there are terrorists involved right so okay. um it, it's a dystopian government and there are terrorists against the government that's basically the story um but there's this one moment when a bomb goes off at like this restaurant A small shopping center, right? So, like, it's, like, incredibly disruptive. But there's all these people that, like, the bomb just goes off and they just continue eating. And that's how I felt. Like, I didn't didn't know which actually was more grotesque in that moment. Was which is more grotesque? Like, being the looky-loo and being like, oh, my God, I'm so concerned for the well-being of this human being that I can't do anything about. I'm helpless. Yeah. Versus, like... I, I just ordered the lamb. It's my birthday. Like, whatever. <laughs>
0: like Exactly. And I would say this. Keep that very specific dilemma in mind as I uh, open up that book and talk about the Kardashian family. That kind yeah. of like uh, seeing it and ba- and maybe some bad things are happening, but also some incredibly good things are happening. And so also like we don't know them personally. So any like beginning to even judge them is like off the mark. So you can't. You, and also, who's to say what's part of their character and what's not? And to analyze that is even like like kind of insane to begin with. So it's kind of you just have to look at what's presented and then just take it in and you enjoy it or you don't. I mean, you can analyze it as much as you want uh, as much as people will take you seriously. but I think the thing to really look at is actually like how people view it. That's something we can analyze. We can't we can't talk to Kanye and figure out what's in his head, or no one can probably, but um I know that we can look at how america reacted to the kardashians and then <laughs> uh view how incorrect or incorrect their reaction is i think it's probably the best uh way to look at I'm, a- I'm interested to actually go back to some tweets from like when the show was like coming out and just seeing some random stuff uh in certain windows and seeing like reactions to uh you know certain scenes that i've had big reactions to um i'm going to write that down here huh. um yeah, because I think – yeah, to get into the topic, I guess. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that uh, the Kardashians are easily the biggest, e- biggest and easiest example to demonstrate um, – and Kathy's brought this up before – how when we talk about uh, – media icons when any on any format a streamer you know someone like the in in the kardashian family pete davidson for example and kanye got pulled into that loop and then you have everyone everyone in that world if you don't actually know them but you feel like you know them you develop this relationship now we talked also previously before about this like the concept of the parasocial relationship which i actually think is kind of a flawed concept because i think that that underestimates the ability for the owner of a brand and a voice to understand and relate with an uh, audience who also understands and relates and they if they both see the fur everything behind the curtain like mentally then you, and they're still you're allowed to people underestimate the role of role playing in online communications a lot and i think that that frequently presents a lot of people like you might call your disney adult or, or whatever someone in that category of, of media obsessive um you i think it frequently portrays them as uh i don't know incorrectly people are frequently portrayed incorrectly because of their media preferences or because of how they act in public especially online but i think that the truth is a lot of the people who you would point your fingers and laugh at um if you were actually to get to know them you would see that not only is that a uh, uh, um uh an excessive kind of expression of their, themselves. They're really only talking about those things in those lights because in the public space, they want to talk about the things they want to talk about having a lot of uh, joy and passion for. So they're going to talk about the things they love, like Marvel and Disney and all those things. And yeah, we, we treat those people like shit, typically a lot online. I try to control myself. Um,
1: well, okay. So I'm hearing that at the same time, like I feel like there's there's still like levels, right? Because mm-hmm. like... Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like in either direction at the moment, this Johnny Depp Amber Heard yeah. trial. Whoa, it's really weird. It's weird, like and celebrity trials are weird, right? They're all weird. OJ was weird. Yeah. Phil Spector was weird, right? Like, uh, this one in anyway. particular.
0: This one in particular is extremely weird because it feels like it's going to the level of granular. Um, with Johnny Depp's, especially those all those recordings that they've had of each other and stuff. It's going to the level of granular in the public eye. I mean, Court TV is putting all this live on television in case anyone hasn't been tracking that. Um, It's been like two, three weeks now of like playing recordings of them saying and basically recordings of audio of them doing and saying the most vile things to each other. It's completely... uh, uh, it's everything that you would expect it to be in, a, in, a, in like in a you know I don't know this kind of explosive celebrity divorce kind of abusive scenario. It's, it's everything you can imagine in your head. but it really is like it's down to to OJ levels of like character assassination or like trying to like set up the other person to look like oh, they deserved it or, or at least this time it was excusable or whatever. Um, and, and that would never happen to anyone else unless you were famous. but then again they went into this whole world. I mean, Johnny Defton married, what, like three times? So he knows about, like, celebrity divorce and what that's like and living in that world. Every time you marry someone, you have to expect that at some point you have to know that that could happen. Um, And it's going to happen in the public eye. Of course, I don't think he expected drinking a, like, you know, pint and a half size glass of wine and was going to get recorded. He actually definitely did not know that. But, um, uh, yeah. And that was a video, apparently. So there's a video out there, I guess, of him doing that. Uh, Impressive. Um... Yeah, it. even even in court, I would say this. Like, even, um, even if you just knew the people in the courtroom were going to watch all your public details and not just the people out there on the internet, for anyone, that would totally change everything. Uh, I feel like you might even oh. change the direction of how a divorce worked if you knew that thousands of people randomly that you didn't even know were going to, like, watch what happened.
1: Yeah, so, like, it, it's funny because, like, in law school, that's, like, even some of the things we're taught about, like, how to do these like pregnant pauses and mm. things like that, uh, like like, to try to elicit like more
0: to let people right dwell. It's, it's like
1: real cop, it's like real cop <laughs> behavior. It's like real well, like psychological bullshit yeah. right? cause because that's job. usually you know that's even who's teaching us, right? Yeah. Like we're essentially being taught by like prosecutors and cops and shit, right? So yeah, there's something about that. but like, like there's this whole thing like that they would constantly remind you that like it's not even that hard. So like you could just be like, uh, hey, how is your day going? Right? like, And so the person's like, oh, you know, I was fine. I went to the store. And you just, the, the, they're like, just remember, you can always just sit there.
0: Yeah. And wait for them to and start. Then, and then
1: like wait for them to be uncomfortable for them. And then they, like, like as if you're waiting and then they just be like, they themselves will be like, yeah and at the store like this happened because they feel like this like anticipation and mm,
0: they yeah. just
1: can't help it or something right like they can't help but just fucking keep talking Just I like
0: that. I'm gonna put that in the arsenal of interview tactics
1: oh yeah no it's great apparently but like but like it's weird it's weird well,
0: it's gonna make someone feel awkward for sure it's not gonna you, you you probably use that more of like a interview like an accusatory kind of interview than like a I'm gonna have fun with you yeah, but I like Yeah, like that. no, like, that's not how hum- yeah.
1: normal humans talk to each other, yeah, right? Maybe, like but, uh I might be like, oh, what'd you get at the store? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like did they
0: and just wait. Just wait we
1: for get a StoryWorth. Oh. How often do you get to learn? Just <laughs> staring at you like I I no. Think, like anyway, like on, it's I just think, so, think, so weird.
0: I think uh oh <laughs> hold on a podcast started playing for a second. That's insane. You couldn't even hear it I bet. Hold on. Hmm. How about now?
1: Yeah, I can hear oh, you.
0: Okay, everything's fine now. Okay. Good. Mhm. I can resume. Okay. The All right. Uh so for everyone at home, we're back now. Um and so, god, what were we talking about before everything went haywire there? All
1: uh, right. Oh, we were talking about uh well my the rescue 911 to gawk or not to gawk
0: yes um, exactly
1: the waiting around for people to respond i don't know how we got there yes yeah, so, um, yeah i think
0: that i'm gonna put that tactic exactly i was gonna put that tactic in the arsenal and the first time we do an interview where we have some information we want to someone expect that one to come out
1: <laughs> yeah so weird Um, oh we're talking about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial and people who are like super fans and so so yeah so So, like that like transcends like just like to me like that transcends like adult Disney fans like adult Disney fans it's like okay like it's a little cringy right like it's Stupid that anybody like, yeah. but I, even with that, I feel like there's levels. Like, yeah, is it, it is yeah. it like someone who just like likes the movies? Is it someone who's like trying to collect like every Mickey Mouse figurine? Right. In which case, every it's, it's Mickey pretty, Funko.
0: And in which case, it's pretty blind consumerism, which I think we actually need to forgive because they're essentially right. victims of a system at that point. You know, we can't we can't make we can't be mean to those people. That's that sucks. Basically, in my mind. But, uh.
1: I mean, I, I don't know. Is is that what I I wouldn't be that generous to NFT people? I don't think I'm that generous to Funko people. I, I think I'm way more generous out of all of those. I, I'm more like, yeah, I just like this Mickey Mouse sweater. Like like that's fine. Like I feel like cool. It's like you know, yeah. It's like whatever, you know it's the I'm going to make it every aspect of my personality mm. it's I'm you know like and I feel like that's the difference like
0: I, I've i always I don't like, know well, I've always uh well in recent years I felt like that people that fall like victim to the it's my entire personality thing is more of like it's not a choice it's kind of like something they've fallen into to grasp on some kind of I don't know. I've known a lot of different people who have been that way for a lot of different hmm. reasons—adults, kids, etc. But I don't know. There's something about it that I can't—I can't hate on like I used to. Once I thought about it a little bit, something about—that's oh, interesting—the heart of those people. I just can't, can't, uh, I can't. Uh, uh, I don't know what the word is. I just can't attack that. I used to feel that way strongly. I used to feel like it was desperate and, and sad and pathetic, and, and I don't feel that way at all anymore. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly. what Well, like what how? That for well.
1: Me. See, because like I always feel like the super fan hates the casual fan, mm-hmm. whereas I'm like, no, like, what what's wrong with the casual fan? Like,
0: no, they oh, just like
1: Superman or whatever.
0: Oh, yeah. no, yeah, exactly. And, and the casual fan, they, is, they is have what keeps the all those little Superman t
1: shirt and they dress up, dress up as Halloween, and isn't that funny and it's cute? Yeah. and, like, whatever. There's a big, but, like,
0: but I don't care. Yeah, there's a big line. <laughs> I mean, basically, um, if you think about it, sort of like the um. In machine gambling, they describe uh, how – I and I've, ah. I've laid, laid this out before, how essentially um, – and this, this I'll describe this in another industry as well in just a second. In, in the machine gambling world, they describe how Las Vegas is essentially run two-thirds by people who are in the city regular gamblers. That's where most of the money comes from. And then inside that group, two-thirds of those people gamble between one and four times like a week. And inside those people, 80% of their money comes from slot machines. And essentially, by learning this direct, like, to the bone logic of how everything works, they figured out that they can tweak and tune everything exactly the way they need to get people to consume their product, which is fun at the slot machine. But if you take that and you apply it to any other um, industry, they've also figured out those cold-blooded, if you read a book about it, it'd make you throw up kind of things. The only reason it's particularly, like, on the nose or... Uh, makes you feel dirty when you read about gambling is because it's talking about las vegas casinos people very desperate doing all these things but i would say the same thing that if you look at a lot of these people collect uh, Funkos and a lot of these disney people um, who make it their entire personality a lot of their disposable income in such a great way goes into these things that they are themselves falling victim to a consumer a predatory consumer process that they're essentially being slotted into because you know at a certain age, they got attached to a certain property. But then from that gateway element, uh, that gateway entry, uh, Disney was able to exploit them in all kinds of ways. But if you, I, I'll repeat it again, though. It extends from films and TV in that world, from uh, getting them addicted to their children, to ideas. that, and, and these are ideas that always last throughout their entire life. As relationships change, parents come and go, anything changes, their connections to their properties, their Disney, their Marvel, their Rick and Morty, etc., will always remain. And so they can always go and visit those safe spaces. And I feel like that is the exploitation because Disney didn't know that for a long time, but they became aware of that maybe 30-ish years ago. And they've turned to a point now where they exploit that at an extreme degree. And I would also say this continues to video games, et cetera. Now, they, video games has weaponized it in a way through metrics. And they know exactly how people react to everything. They know how long people look at every single item. They know how people how long people hover on Uh, guilt purchases, things over $20 that they'll eventually buy later. That's the whole reason that wish lists exist in sales. They have weaponized that um, to such a degree on purpose. And it's the very same thing. Like uh, 80% of video game sales come from, I believe, only about 15% of the audience. And that is on purpose. That is by design. That's the reason that they sell collector's edition of, of games specifically because they know that people who have problems with collecting not just physical things but also digital goods will hoard software libraries which is why a lot of you'll hear a lot of your friends complain about having a huge steam library that they never play that's valve weaponizing the marketplace that pops up in your face every single time you open the game turning it into essentially the same exact thing that disney has figured out they can do with physical merchandise and um and honestly it's being exploited through every single way that it can be i mean This is going now, I mean, even to baseball with NFTs and stuff like that. I mean, how every trading card now has an associated NFT kind of related, uh, you know, associated to it. It's um, those people who are at the business end of that marketing publicity cannon that's being fired at them i don't i don't those are victims i don't
1: so is that also how we explain these folks who are like obsessed with the johnny depp amber heard yes like is it still disney and pirates of of the caribbean
0: in my mind they're victims of our media being so pervasive and confusing to not just the average person but to virtually everyone that no one can really be blamed for what they do in terms of becoming fixated on certain media because I feel like it's all designed to not only have you read the story, but become anticipatory Hmm. of another story and want to go back and look at the other story and then figure out what meshes with it. Not just because of, you know, how SEO has now designed how everyone like writes and links articles, but because every single industry has figured out their version of that. And it basically makes everything we do remind us of doing something else and turns us into, um, I don't know. We're constantly trying to draw the lines and connections and fill our time. And somehow by every single industry doing this, it has turned into, um, I don't know, its own kind of, uh, I feel like we have momentum to, to, to spend and consume. And it's being directed um, without many of us thinking about it at all in a, in a way that's Okay, not So
1: like possible. is the line of acceptable consumption, I say acceptable, mm. it's like an air quotes. Yeah. You know. Is the line of acceptable consumption the difference between that, like, I'm still in control of what I'm doing versus,
0: yeah, to, to oh, the, shit,
1: like, now I've been caught in this, like, capitalistic riptide?
0: Yeah, consumption beyond one's means, I guess, would be the definition, but then I don't know how you define that specifically for each person. I guess you would have to really look at, like...
1: It's not just like a percentage. No. It doesn't feel like, mm-hmm. right? Like no. it, it's, it feels like it's also like time and energy.
0: Exactly. If it's, if it's, if you're, it's hard to define specifically because people find greatly differing values in taking their like yearly trip to Disney or whatever they end up doing, but, or Universal or whatever it may be. But, um, I feel like.
1: Well, I mean, and I say this as someone who loves Disneyland. Like yes, I love, exactly. I fucking love Disneyland. And I love I Comic Con,
0: and I love going. I've been there a bunch of times in San Diego too, as a huge consumer, which that Comic Con is essentially like the headquarters, the ultimate convention for people who consume media. So I say this myself, being in this, I place myself in this category to be clear, just with other yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I feel like ultimately that we're all in the same boat when we see a Disney obsessive or whatever. I, th- I should only look back into my past or look over into the corner over there where I have a gigantic stack of... You know, role-playing manuals, or um, you know, that I just look at the pictures of and read, or you know, the hardcovers that I have and stuff, or my giant collection of you know books that only you know, I've only read like oh. a third of, like or shitloads of books like,
1: around here. Uh,
0: you know, um, this is what this is our position in the world. This is what we end up doing. And I think that although we all consume and collect different items, uh, I don't think any of us. I don't know. I think we should let other people off the hook just because they're doing a different brand of it doesn't mean that. Uh, they deserve higher, I guess, or, uh, I don't know, negative comments. Anyway, we can be smarter than to make directly negative comments. Can't we audience? So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: um, no, I mean, I, I really yeah. appreciate the like, yeah. Like wh- what's the, you know, the, the beam in our own eye, you know,
0: mm-hmm. I always, uh, since I've come to this kind of realization about like all audiences essentially being uh, just uh, fed a different flavor of, of the sauce. um, I think that honestly kind of got me back into baseball a little bit, which is hard to describe exactly, but I was like, well, hell, if I'm going to be drinking a lot of the sauce, I might as well be drinking some of my favorite brand of sauce. And so I'll focus a little bit more on baseball and reality television, as it turns (laughs) out, and, uh, and less on other things. So I don't know you know
1: you know it's funny because like i i was having a conversation uh recently where we're talking about the like signifiers of counterculture and how they, too, have just, be- like, like, a signifier of a counterculture used to actually mean something, right? Like, uh, I think we were talking about, like, uh, even, like, with Hugh Hefner and, like, the Playboy Club, like, the fact that, like, he had, like, jazz artists at his club wasn't just because he was cool. It was because it was also, like, a cultural signifier of, like, it, that's because, like, we're, we're not into segregation and being racist, yeah, right. Like, and right. so there was this, like, you know, like, um, but at some point, liking Miles Davis, uh, like, like, got stripped of that, like, actual subversiveness, right? It's why we have like Paul Ryan listening to Rage Against the Machine
0: because <laughs> it's like that's... pure cultural I signifier, of that like, one. that's good,
1: cool, yeah, yeah. like, so
0: it is exactly it.
1: I'm, I'm kind of thinking about that, too, of, like, the, the this, like, we used to think that, like, if you listen to Nirvana or something, like, that meant something. Yeah. But, of course, it do, I mean, it doesn't mean For long shit hair. now.
0: Even in the grunge era, like, long hair was kind of coming back as kind of a, almost a callback to, like, the 70s era of the long hair, the 60, late 60s era of the long hair kind of protesters on, you know, the draft dodgers, etc., you know, um, to signify they weren't, like, part of the crew of people that were like you know quote unquote subservient to the man etc um weren't ready to like do it all as it were um yeah yeah that signified a certain thing politically your hair even but now now it's just hair i mean every baseball players plenty of them or whoever they are and plenty of them have long hair i'm sure that that has signifies nothing about their political choices like um yeah it's it's funny to think now that um I don't know. Even self-expression, I would say, even colored hair, any kind of haircut—nothing about personal presentation really dictates anything about um, political uh, preferences at this point, because everything has been so—I don't know—either blown out, parodied, or extrapolated in some kind of way that nothing really means anything directly. You have, context is what means makes everything mean something at this point.
1: Yeah, like, uh, like we're also in the same conversation—the concept of Kristen cinema as quirky.
0: Yeah. Right
1: right like oh she's so like quirky like she's like blossom or something (laughs) like as if that means like she's gonna smoke weed or something right well actually kind of even to the point right like like Blossom's like actually like a zionist right like
0: i uh, I mean when that that show would come on i think after my morning cartoons maybe or afternoon cartoons that was when i would turn off whatever network that was on but um i was too young to understand the Whatever I was gonna gain by watching Blossom.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. There is, there was some, th- there, right? There was like Poochie, right? There was like a Poochie character on there, right? He was like a cool guy. I don't remember. I wasn't the demographic of Blossom. I guess I wasn't don't either. think <laughs> you know. So, but anyway, yeah, Kristen Cinema, quirky, right? She's quirky, and yes, you know, definitely. I guess that I guess that means that she's supposed to be like like liberal or something but the kind you know, of, but, and... the
0: kind of uh, but the kind of quirky that Mitt Romney's like way into and wants like you know fake propose to you as a gag like
1: well like you know she's wearing like striped socks and a tutu to like deny everyone unemployment <laughs> you know like who cares like
0: the whole thing is very confusing because uh, having that knowledge to dress that way implies a certain understanding at least in my mind but then if you have that understanding, then why are you doing what you're doing? Which also then adds to the layer of confusion of maybe I'm wrong about the person with my initial assumption. Which, if then, means I'm wrong about a lot of people. That's um, right. Which then... Well, because she
1: looks like she should be a fucking Burning Man, man or whatever. Right? right. Like
0: Exactly. But she's not. But she's not. <laughs>
1: I don't think Well, she probably is, though. Right? Because, like, <laughs> right, because like, what I remember of, like, I mean, and I never went, right? But, like... Right. But, you know what I understood was Yet. like, well, Burning Man was a bunch of like fucking nerds on the internet, and then it and then it became like like who we're just like filthy. It was like Gooncon, but like in the desert.
0: It was Gooncon, and then it
1: became it like yeah. Silicon Valley pretends to go out to the desert, you know? Like, that's what it became. And
0: and for the record, uh, if anyone out there in the world I know, I used to know a few people that did that every year, um, I would love to go and see What Up, in the kind of see-and-what-up way, um, one day. So just putting that out there. I'll bring all my own stuff. I know that you have to bring all your own stuff.
1: I mean, talk about coming full circle, right? Like I always associated Burning Man with those same like nerds that were really into Second Life.
0: Actually, yeah, that completely fits. They used to have like a Burning Man in Second Life for sure. I knew that. Yeah,
1: sure. right? Yeah. Like didn't that happen?
0: <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And so
1: now we're just in the like or, or we, I mean I'm not there. You know, I didn't go to either, but like, you know, now now they're like in the metaverse. I remember reading about, like, Second Life and downloading it and, like, being I like, oh, way, I want to see what's happening. In,
0: in the Goon world, I was way into that. Like, I got into their little version of it and used that as my oh, yeah. base to go and see everything. And that was the way to do it. And that was thousands of people... That was the time, that actually, I would say that most people got into Second Life is when the, the Something Awful community got into it in such a big way where there was thousands of people logged in. And, like, if you would look at, like, the active user list, like, more people were active in our the place that we were by, like, five than, like, anyone else in the entire thing just because everyone was like, holy shit, this is insane. Like, and they all would start in the same area. So um, it was... It was seriously like, um, there used to be a section on, uh, on something off of forums, which is now, uh, I think, a, a archives access only. But it's, it was essentially where all the best things in the, in quotes, the worst things in the website would go. It was called Hell Dump 2000. And it was a place where you could go and, uh, and see uh, the targets of... I would say probably the source of all the people that are like made fun of on the internet today with largely impunity, like that the beginnings of a lot of that started in, in hell dump 2000. Now, a lot of it is extremely offensive in all kinds of degrees, but there's a lot of stuff in there where it's people who are offensive in all kinds of ways being like having their lives destroyed, which back in the early two thousands, that was entertainment on the internet. Um, So that's why it's archived, you know why you can't see it. Uh, But if you do have platinum archives access, you can go check it out. Um, it's vile, but also extremely entertaining. And groups of people who are now our friends are made fun of them. They're ruthlessly. The furries are the one community I will uh, put uh, put in there specifically. But uh, Second Life was also the place where um, the furry community (laughs) received a lot of drama, I would say. Probably. uh, Due to that. I'm only laughing now because it's it's insane, but uh, yeah. It was the Wild West. No one was ever trying to, like, get you in trouble if you did anything. Everyone was blameless in their own minds, and thus everything uh, was the Wild West, yeah. No one was trying to police anything because no one thought policing was necessary yet, or at least not enough people thought that. Wow. Yeah. I bet you... um, I'll have to inspect and see if the Kardashians ever interacted with Second Life because their, their origins were kind of uh, similarly timed. The kind of late 2000s was when you're getting a lot of like Vice articles about Second Life, about how it was ruining people's lives and minting millionaires overnight. Um,
1: there was that Kim Kardashian game. I think that's come up before.
0: Yes. I actually would like to look that up and take a little.
1: Kim Kardashian Hollywood a free-to-play role-playing game released in 2014.
0: All right. I bet you it's still running.
1: It says is a casual. It doesn't say was a casual. So maybe the servers are still up and running.
0: We'll have to uh, download the app and become friends on the thing and see what happens inside the Kim Kardashian online uh, app. The game. I, li-
1: I like the idea of like all these dead empty servers. I, yeah. I I seem to recall people have written articles about other such. Oh yeah, like similar dead worlds. Games and stuff. Yeah, A lot of people use
0: their lobbies as like communication because it's so empty. Yeah. It-
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like probably like more secure than Signal even. <laughs>
0: I um... oh, lord. I have a story for you here.
1: Oh dear. Not let's Kardashian see, let's go. related, but I, I think Kay. it's, I think it's I'm interesting. Ready.
0: I think it's, I think you could easily make a documentary about this. And maybe in the, uh, the last third of the article, um, perhaps they've already <laughs> disclosed that, but I haven't got that far, but this is fascinating. Their hearts were opened letters, not the unread pleas of 30,000 people for money are a 1970 time capsule and the basis of a film. It's by Jennifer. Sure, sir. We'll say that's in the uh, today's art section of the Times. One day in early 1970, Michael James Brody Jr. stepped off a Pan Am jet at Kennedy Airport and into what would be one of the new decade's shortest, strangest 15 minutes of fame. Brody, the previously obscure 21-year-old heir to a margarine fortune, was returning from his honeymoon in Jamaica and, as a grand romantic gesture, had impulsively bought out every seat on the plane so he and his bride could fly home alone. After landing, Brody, wearing bell-bottoms and large green sunglasses, announced to assembled reporters that he would be giving away his $25 million fortune to ordinary people to spread love and, quote, cure the problems of the world. Over the next 10 days, the shaggy-haired, dreamily handsome Brody appeared on newspaper front pages and The Ed Sullivan Show, where he strummed a Bob Dylan song on a 12-string guitar. Crowds swarmed his rented house in Westchester County and office in Midtown Manhattan. And then there were the letters. Flooding in by the tens of thousands and piling up so fast the post office threatened to burn them, Almost immediately, Brody's checks began bouncing, and his life unraveled. Soon he disappeared from the headlines and all but vanished from historical memory. But paper has a way of sticking around, and on a recent morning, Ty Jones, (laughs) dope name, a curator at Columbia University's Special Collections Library, picked up a scalpel-like letter opener, reached into a box of jumbled mail, and took a deep breath. Here we go," he said, before slicing into an envelope with a return address on Queens Boulevard in New York, marked. Uh, we're gonna see page C seven here, real quick. Nice. We're gonna see how the public ruined this man's life. Okay. Uh, the letters were. Uh, let's see. Oh, the box is marked personal and confidential to be opened by addressee only. Okay. Here we go. Dear Mr. Brody. Jones began reading quickly through a neatly typed plea for $1,000 from a woman whose husband had died and left behind a mountain of bills. He opened another letter written in a jagged scrawl from a man in Brooklyn struggling to prove, quote, I'm truthful. The man wrote, you can come and visit in my apartment anytime. Next was a postcard advertising a limousine service. The archives, Jones said, Riley are full of junk mail. It was Jones's first in-person glimpse of a trove of some 30,000 letters, the vast majority unopened, that were donated by the filmmakers behind Dear Mr. Brody, a documentary that begins streaming on the Discovery Plus network on Thursday. Here we go. We're previewing uh, something here. In the movie, the letters some read aloud by their authors, whom the filmmakers track down, provide a sometimes emotionally devastating counterpoint to the wild tale of Brody's age of Aquarius grandiosity. They are part message in a bottle, part voyeuristic parlor game, part potential bonanza for historians. Thank you. It's very, very unusual to get everyday people's stories into the archives in a way like this, with thousands of people writing and talking about their lives one moment uh, one moment in time, Jones said. But the letters also pose some scholarly conundrums, starting with a basic question. Just how does an archive deal with a mountain of unopened mail? Let's find out.
1: Yeah, but to find out we're going to have to tune into the Discovery Plus channel for the low low price of what, 19.95 a month? How much is it? I Here's
0: my promise. Brian will tune into the show for you and tell you everything about these letters, including exactly where the article goes. Um, anyway, it gets into how the letters are from a counterculture era era and uh, Ed Sullivan was a big fan of all this. Um, found it pretty fascinating though. I'm definitely going to watch that. And now that no, I is that it, it true exists- though?
1: Or are we going to have, like, is that really what the article goes on to say? Is yeah, it really does, does talk to- about
0: how the, it really, I just kind of quickly skimmed it. It really does go <laughs> into how the letters are from the counterculture era. And so they really <laughs> reveal a lot of times there's uh, some images here. Uh, they're sorted by state. Um, I mean, I could read the rest of the article. I f- thought you were telling me to wrap it.
1: <laughs> no, no, I had no idea. I was just, I was just laughing that the New York Times is really just a shill for the Discovery Plus. Oh, completely. Channel. That's
0: exactly what that article is. The, the any section that's not the front A section is, to some degree or or another, like it feels like someone was like, "Hey, can you write a story about this?" And they're like, "I don't know. I guess."
1: It's like edutainment.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Like this right here. This is in today's uh, life section of the the USA Today. Making Waves, Kim Kardashian. The superstar testified Tuesday that she had no memory of attempting to kill the reality show that starred her brother, Rob Kardashian, and his former fiancé, Black China. Yet she acknowledged demanding that China be kept off keeping up with the Kardashians after hearing China abused her brother. Quote, I will not go into a toxic work environment, Kardashian said of her refusal to work with China. On my own show, I have the power to do that. Kardashian took the stand for an hour in a Los Angeles courtroom in a civil trial in which China alleges that Kardashian and three other members of her family defamed China and convinced producers on the E network to cancel the spin-off show Rob and China. What's that? I, said, I, I have apparently spoiled it for myself.
1: Oh no. <laughs> um I never saw the show.
0: It's actually, it's, 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 it's.
1: Did did she like intervene so that like is that is that the whole thing that like she like intervened and that like ruined, that broke up the relationship?
0: Um, everything in there is all like um, behind the scenes. Oh, um, I see. Except, I mean, some of it must appear on screen, but everything uh, that I, I read in there is behind this behind the scenes, and the um, but I know that that's. The issue, that's actually like kind of why I read it is because it was behind the scenes and yet it, um, the argument in court is actually whether or not that argument was behind the scenes or not. Um, so and essentially they're fighting over who knew where the fourth wall was, which is really fascinating. They're, they're saying, they're claiming that the family knew that she was on the out and that she should have known that she was on the out, but she didn't. And yet that's why she anticipated a season two and nobody else did. That's actually what the debate is about, which is actually pretty fascinating, I think.
1: Oh, no. Oh, that's that's so sad. It was yeah. it's basically like saying like, oh, honey, you don't know you've been eliminated. That's
0: basically and and everyone in the family, according to that, agrees with the situation.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yep. Oh, Wow oh wow that's messy oh my mm-hmm. god like i think what's like really embarrassing about that is like having to like like oh mm. like normally it's just like yeah like just like an embarrassing situation but yeah i forget that this like all has to play out in the public eye all yeah. these just and, and the thus, most ordinary and being fucking on, and being on the front, things yeah.
0: And being on the front page of the life section also means that if you're like me and trying to watch it through, you're now spoiled about all of this because, like, you now know the motivations and everything about what's happening. Even now, like, where Black China has just been, she's just appeared on camera, like, twice in the background, unnamed. So I don't even know who she is yet, but now that I know by just oh. reading the newspaper, I've been spoiled.
1: I see. It's, yeah i see no that's that's a hard one so it's
0: actually kind of a uh, hard one yeah it's 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 funny to think of it like that but it is for me because even in my mind like you know i'm in a world where you know as far as i know especially because i started watching it in the blackout between like the end of the kardashian e show and the beginning of this hulu show like there was no kind of media in that middle area about like the Kardashian family a lot of i think everyone kind of just took a break from being in the public eye for a little bit especially you know in the time period there um yeah, it's uh, so so now I'm just getting like bombarded by like news things all the time, and it's it's impossible to avoid. Uh, thinking of even like the like reading this book like True Story, um, True Story talks about um, like Caitlin and Bruce, and that's like confusing because they use you know even then like when they're saying Caitlin like I'm th- I'm assuming a certain period in time, um, because even the way that Caitlin and Bruce Caitlin acts at different periods of time towards the rest of the family is very different. Um, and time matters a lot in watching that show in context. It, it would be very difficult to watch the Kardashians and fully understand it without like going and visiting some, like once you've gotten to a certain point in time, like going and visiting like past articles or videos and stuff especially when you get into like lamar's story like lamar the end of lamar's story isn't going to make sense you know once he's out of the picture unless you go like watch some of the videos that they end up talking about like in the show they don't show them but you really do need to go see them to see like really how embarrassing the whole situation is to then understand the motivations are like yeah you don't feel bad for anyone like for getting rid of you know lamar you everyone's agonizing over the fact that they have to do it um but I don't know. Public perception plays into that so much. Public perception definitely played into how the divorce with Lamar went because Chloe had to constantly react to the public on the show that she was on, which in its own is headache-inducing even thinking about you having, like, you or me or a person having to do that in real life, having to, like, manage, like, what you're even – and then you have to manage, like, what your character is saying versus what you, Chloe Kardashian, wife of famous basketball player going through an addiction problem uh, in public – Yeah. Uh, they don't get enough credit that's all I know no one's one's out there I mean maybe between us we give them enough credit I don't know but uh, they don't they definitely do not get enough credit in the public eye for dealing with what they do and then repeatedly for 15 years straight putting out a a show with 20 you know 20 something episodes about just what they're up to insane you know uh, if you look at like um, you know the beginning of the show I think kylie was nine and kendall was like 11 i i mean the the kids on the original season of teen mom or even teen mom Two, would be older than that now like i mean you're watching people grow up in front of the camera it's really kind of weird in a way that's not examined exactly
1: well i mean but like even child actors who aren't on reality television talk about what that's like yeah right yeah, like like uh like the hames talked about growing up on camera i think even like daniel radcliffe of the of, of the harold potter fame you know i think even even he has talked about growing up on camera like yeah i, I mean and they were playing you know they were playing characters they weren't playing themselves but of course it's because even with even even if they're just just actors playing fictional characters of course they're getting followed by the tabloids exactly so their their personal lives were playing out in public whether they were on reality tv or not and i feel like that's even this weird part where everyone's like oh like it's so exploitive but it's like it's exploitive no matter what, right? Yeah.
0: And I would also say that it's, it's not the first time it's occurred in Hollywood. It's not even the most recent time it's occurred in Hollywood. Um, the Jackson family would be a great example of a, or like, a, a parental unit, primarily the father in that case, who created uh, used, essentially, his children to create an entertainment property. Essentially.
1: why do we have so many more famous unhappy endings of child actors than we do like happy endings right I like i could name like much many more tragedies than only like one shirley temple
0: i have a lot of i think i have a, a few feelings on that um i think that uh, children on camera are per- often perceived by children and then the adults around those children perceive that child as needing to be a certain way as to correctly influence some audience of children whether it be in their own personal view they're like oh my child reacts to this a certain way or they're seeing like i don't know uh market i don't know studies uh, on their product or whatever i think that i think that children essentially are um adults want to see them a certain way and that is in an adult (laughs) and uh, i think that if you're a, a child on a on a movie set or a tv set you don't stand a chance because everyone around you wants to see you as an adult who functions and works like an adult and that transforms you very quickly into an adult and then but of course you act and work like an adult when you're still a child you're going to go you're going to lose everything you (laughs) have that makes you a child and then you're going to lose your mind very quickly or slowly depending on who you are but I think that's the reason that all kind of child actors end up in some bucket either a they're going to profit off of the thing that made them popular in the first place and just call it quits at that point because they're so terrified of what the path they've already taken or b they're going to still while having taken that path bravely very bravely go out and test their their waters and then maybe i don't know have a very middling level of success to pay for their um, level of effort but even that at that level they're probably just taking care of a family or something like that most of those people (laughs) who go that direction um don't usually have very successful family lives so i mean there's a lot to i don't know it's a, it's, it's it's i don't know it's almost like a chain of abuse <laughs> uh it's hard to i mean even if you think about this a lot of child actors um who come from families of people who work in theater and film end up having children who work in theater and film uh jake jill Gyllenha- and the Hall family uh is an example of that his father was a semi-famous director in his own little world um and uh I think that, you know, you encourage your children to, I don't know, pick up things. Think about this. Think about a non-acting parent who convinces a child to take up acting because you pretty much do have to convince your child to take up acting. It's not like they one day just, like, say they really do want to become an actor and they can have the freedom to go become an actor. You really do have to encourage and enable them to do this. So realistically, what you're thinking about is uh, an adult who is coercing a child into becoming a little performer. Um... I mean, yeah, maybe some kids want to be actors to some degree, but no one really wants to go. No child would willingly go through the process that is becoming an actor from a child to an adult if they knew the reality is everything they're going to go through. The obvious, you know, there's no way you get through that without some kind of substance abuse problem or something because at some point you're going to be introduced to people who are from different uh, levels of wholesomeness than you are as a child. (laughs) It's just part of working in that world. I don't know. That's what I perceive when you he, think
1: that he, happens he, like even with like, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, I start thinking about it like, I mean, as you know, like. Because it goes back to this like level of enthusiasm, right? Like, I feel like. uh The way kids are coerced into like sports or the way they're coerced into like, you know, the the child pageant shit. Um. I don't know. Just kind of just kind of weird thinking about same thing like where those lines are like when is it right. like the kid like wants to do it versus like
0: Right, where is the agency? Where does the agency okay. lie and and how much agency can a child really have over like basically taking up a hobby that isn't just a hobby, it's like a career. And also even then in determining and in, in determining the hobby for the child the parent has at that point then I don't know, kind of assumed the role that like, "Oh, I'm going to choose what you do now like for life or, you know," hopefully for life in the, in the parents' eyes, they obviously every time, every parent who must get a child into a pageant, I assume at the very beginning must think like, oh, my child could be a, a big star. And they had this aspiration, at least at the very beginning. Um, or you wouldn't go through all that effort to put your child into a pageant. I don't know. Let me ask you this. Um, yeah. The, 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 the mothers on Teen Mom that I've been watching, uh, um, mm-hmm. their lives are greatly affected by being on a television show. I would say just by being observed um, and having cameras around them and i would say that their lives would be a lot different without the cameras around them i think a lot of their circumstances would are improved because there are cameras around them and that keeps them safe to a degree but also in other ways obviously being on camera and being having your business broadcast the whole world essentially can't ultimately be well maybe it can be a good thing a lot of these people have benefited even in in the seasons that i've seen um i think that their lives are turning because they have some kind of observation or some kind of support system i mean mtv definitely observes them make human mistakes um but i have a feeling that that won't last forever (laughs) or they just let them flop and flail um at every turn although i have uh, read that some people may so i don't know it's, I, guess, I guess that's, uh, in, uh, even in, the, let's say, a show like Bad Girls Club, which I've only seen like one episode of, or, or The Real Housewives, which I've seen get pretty saucy in just a few episodes. Like what, at what point is the person supposed to step in in the line of preserving the subject versus exploitative entertainment? Are you supposed to step in at all? Or are you really just that like, observational um, when it's reality television and not a straight documentary, I mean, where's the line even there? Well, I, f-
1: I, I feel like that is the difference, right? Like a documentary is kind of just coming in and like just like like observing, like and and the observation is by itself going to be weird. Then I would say like by- like it's not necessarily exploitive, right? But like I feel like the the thing with the reality show is that it's also like kind of creating these like false conditions right like um you know survivors creating false conditions dating shows are creating false conditions right like um i'm gonna put everybody in a house and see what happens right that's creating false conditions um yeah i don't know right like like i think maybe that's I I guess maybe even that's the question is who's in control of the camera.
0: Yeah. Right? Because, like, I I get the impression
1: that, like, the reason that, like... um, I have to sneeze.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I get the reason that, like, the reason I consider, like, Honey Boo Boo a little exploitive but not keeping up with the Kardashians is because of who's in control of the camera. right? Right? Like, in... With the Kardashian show, she's in control of the camera. Like, really? Like, I know she's not like operating it, but they're 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 in charge of every every shot. Yeah, with I'm Kardashians,
0: sure the the family has final cut on everything. So
1: yeah, um, I don't think they did that with like Honey Boo Boo and her mom. Team you know, teen like
0: mom. yeah, and Team Mom definitely makes final cut on everything they want to. I mean, and they're definitely in the hands off in that they will watch what happens it's it's a documentary in that sense like Mm -hmm. if if there's any additional assistance it would only be from the pay that they receive which would be unusual from their average circumstance where a person there wouldn't just be randomly handed you know hundreds of thousands of dollars for their involvement in a experimental documentary about your child's life um so that definitely. and i think something about
1: like yeah i also think it's something about like um it's not just about like having control of the camera, as it were, or control of the edits, but it's like, um, like is it kind of like honest or is it cut? You know, like, um, like I-, I couldn't imagine, like, like you know, like Errol Morris is always in control of the camera. I can't imagine that I would ever consider him exploitive, though.
2: You there, know, there are, whereas like with yeah.
1: like weird, there's other show like Hoarders feels exploitive like intervention feels exploitive even even at its best it still feels a little exploitive
0: there are moments in the kardashians that feel exploitive but knowing that the family has final cut is what lets you know that it's genuine exposure of vulnerability instead of you know knowing that chris is ultimately the person who has final cut the mom who wants to protect everyone like that's that's The crucial element like so when rob is feeling self-conscious about his you know size or something like that then you know that he talked to his mom about it and you know it's okay like that's what allows you to like watch that but then if that was something like that was to happen in i don't know a show where like a family member wasn't an executive producer then you're like asking questions about a lot of things. You're saying, like, at what level is this participation versus just watching, like voyeuristically watching a person versus a documentary where we're just looking, frankly, at like how people react to certain things. It's all very confusing, and I think I don't. Uh,
1: yeah, and like, how hands off is it versus like how much are we manipulating that situation? And, and also, how much do people know that they're being manipulated in that situation? Right? Like, is,
0: it has to be very debatable because you can never really go back and prove. And then the producers are always going to claim that everyone was in the know, which I think is, once again, I think, you know, what we were just talking about is whether or not someone in the show knows the trajectory of the show based on what's happening in it are they expected to be, okay. and, and should they know, and what are the ethics behind that. And um, I think that, you know, that's all for executive producer of reality television to decide, I suppose, but... Um, yeah. So
1: there's a, I, I remember, and I, I don't know if I brought it up last time, but it it, it keeps sticking with me enough because I, I remember even writing it down in my notes of how much it stuck with me. And it was when I was watching um, uh, the fucking uh, Rock of Love.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, they, they had these episodes where like, where the the lady contestants who are all trying to win Brett Michaels's affection, like someone from their past shows up, like and I think like in the in the first episode it's like an ex boyfriend, yeah. um, and I think they try to do that as much as possible in the second one as well. But like it's not always because it can't always be probably because people are like, no, fuck off, kick rocks, right, whatever. Yeah. But um, there's um there's one where where like it's like a friend of one of the ladies. Yeah. Right like and um, And And they're And, and like the and Brett Michaels is Chatting with all the people From the past or whatever right And being like oh tell Me about what it's what So and so is really like Because you've been with them and as Like you know they expect the exes to Like you know reveal all the dirt right Whatever that means right but there's this one guy, he's just like a friend of one of the ladies and, and, you know, he's asking him like, oh, how is so and so really and, 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 and the guy is like, I think like, you know, answers the question in some kind of non-committal way because like, really, what is he supposed to say? And then at some point, he's like, okay, yeah, but this is weird, right? Like, you have, like, a dozen women who are all trying to go out on a date with you, and you're, like, essentially dating them all at the same time. Like, it's weird. Like, this is a thing that happens, right? Like, he's basically kind of pointing to the, like, artificial setup of the show, right? Like, you don't really... Like, you're not really asking me that question because you're not really expecting to find love here on this show, are you, dude? Like, that's not really why we're all here, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah even though like that's what it is. And they're always like saying like, no one was really here for Brett. Everyone's here to like advance their career. And it's like, yeah.
0: Right. That, that's been frequently. Lobbed. <laughs> like, that's been frequently lobbed at love Island as well. Um, the, the contestants will accuse other contestants on love Island of being there purely for their career instead of being there to find love. And it seems like the couples that are only successful are the, well, in the season that I watched the couples that were successful as they repeatedly vote, like every few episodes were the couples that seemed genuinely interested in each other. And I haven't watched Bachelor really yet, um, or any any of it. I don't know how that if that's how it works on The Bachelor, but it seems like audiences, at least in Love Island, can really seem to tell who's actually, you know, I don't know, at least doing the best job at acting like they're genuinely interested in each other. So, um, I, f- like, um... I see. Yeah, so I'd be interested to see what that's like on The Bachelor if they're just picking, like, the hottest ones or I don't know <laughs> if that extends to everything else.
1: I mean, that's kind of what I mean, right? Like, that, that, that's not where people expect to find love, is it? Like, on TV? Uh,
0: like... On Love Island, some of the contestants really do. They act like it anyway. Some of them really seem, like, thrown over, like they're really going to find the one. And I, yes, and that is uh, rare, but it stands out because you're like, that person got picked by the crew or the you know, casting staff. I mean, l- <laughs> because of that reason. I, I
1: mean, think. I guess maybe I could. I, I mean, I feel like somehow I could. I could kind of envision some premises where this is like the case, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I if I'm gonna get all of the model train enthusiasts together, yeah, and I'm gonna be like, we're gonna see if a model train enthusiast can find love. Like, it feels it's called, so niche.
0: It's called getting railed. Um, <laughs> no, it's called riding the rails. It's I called- love it
1: yes right in the rails i love that, that one. That was
0: actually my first one so i yeah <laughs> should have gone with that one um yeah no i yeah, love that. our train our train uh our train fan dating show so just for train fans only Uh yeah you know yes
1: and and they're all gonna get together and they're you know and we're gonna be like like one lucky fella is gonna meet all of these train lady enthusiasts or something you know whatever like that feels like niche enough that it's like yeah they're like gonna be like fuck yeah like someone to, to build trains with for, from now until forever. Like I could see maybe that, like, like, cause like where else would that come together or the internet? No right?
0: problem. One season, Netflix, easy. They would That's fine. That money. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, see, no, no. See, see, you're already thinking small. We could have a series of seasons where mm. it's like this season it's model train enthusiasts. Next time it's people who are like really into like, uh you know the competitive dog olympics except they don't call it dog olympics that's what i call it right it's like the the agility things
0: yeah um absolutely i could definitely see that as an absolutely real uh show it makes me think of um sort of like just doing like a real version of like a christopher guest kind of thing like you're just like i don't know finding the real version of these people and making them or ha- making them date having them uh try to date each other
1: I, mean, uh, I feel like that, I mean that's kind of what happens in real life, right? That's, yeah, that is what happens. You know, happens. like oh, like I met them at my theater company. Right, we like were gonna this. do a fucking history of the town.
0: Yeah, so we'll get the train people together. This will work. Yeah, the internet loves yeah. train people. So.
1: Yeah. No. Anyway, it just it just seems like isn't <laughs> yeah. that why there were three seasons of Rock of Love? Is because like Brett Michaels is just like.
0: Yeah, he didn't pick anyone really, right? Or he did, but like he didn't stay with anyone right
1: no i don't like it doesn't seem like it right so like i I don't think that like you know and i mean he's picking them because they're hot (laughs) right like that was
0: basically the reason i'm gonna have to go back and dive into this one this one sounds like a real uh laugh riot
1: i mean it was right like so like so like in the first season there's, like, there's like 25, 30 women. I don't fucking know. I don't remember, okay? So, like, in the first season, like, all of these women show up, and they're all, like, you know, like, at first, it's, like, the camera is, like, welcome to, like, Brett Michaels' Rock of Love. Like, in a moment, Brett Michaels is going to show up or whatever. And then, but, like, all the ladies get off the, like, you know, they each get out of the limo, and they get out, and they're, like, hi, my name is Lucy, and I'm 22, and I love Brett Michaels, but I can't name a single fucking thing about him you know and uh uh, i want to be on rock of love and uh, true love forever yay right whatever and then they bounce around you know they're cute they're hot they they got titties they're all in short
0: short short skirts online competitions too for their casting like some of the characters at least were picked by online voting and that was, like, a crucial, like, fun element there at the at the turn of the century, especially the middle there, the 2005 era. P- people were I don't think big Rock of Love did shows. it. Okay, okay, okay.
1: But, but yeah, that was, like, a thing, right? But, like, they'd show up and they'd be like, yeah. And so, like, in the first season, uh, the bouncer guy, because they have, like, a security guy who's, like, part of the, like, cast of characters, as it were he tells like four or five of them to like fuck off before brett michaels even shows up wow he's like i'm sorry ladies like i'm not letting you backstage um and i i have to admit like you know they were the least traditionally hot and they say least traditionally hot absolutely in air quotes because i'm talking about hot to somebody like brett michaels right because like i say that because these women were all still very pretty there's nothing wrong with them Right. I say nothing wrong with them. And I'm again, like using this as like the concept of the male gaze, television, Hollywood. Right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with them, But like, for whatever reason, they've just been picked by this fucking guy to just be like, you're not as hot as these other ones though. And I guess that's true. Right. But it's like comparing like a seven to an eight, like, or whatever. I don't fucking know. Right. Yeah. Whatever.
0: Uh, I, I, i think of um dating shows and i think of if if you really want to like dissect and break them down you can fit them in the categories pretty easily by like what their rule types are um like are you the one is a show where you're they're actually trying to get you to match up with people who like a matchmaker has like taken the time to like read all these profiles and like assign everyone but you're like uh you start off with like i don't know 18 ish 24 people it's equal number for each. Gender or whatever. At least when the the seasons that I watch, I watch like three, four, five. I think it, it might do seven or eight. Um, it's a really interesting show because it's a, it's an MTV, it's an adults MTV show. They're all in like their early twenties, let's say. So they're all drinking pretty pretty hard. They're partying, but that's kind of a distraction because the idea is that they're supposed to be spending their time socializing and mingling, figuring out who their appropriate match was picked out for them. Um, without really any clues. The only way that they can figure it out is by kind of doing a process of elimination and then also between them kind of talking and figuring out who would be a good match for who. Turns out that frequently the matchmaker has assigned someone they would never predict and they get down to the wire without figuring out who the person is they're supposed to get to, even after having like, seems like a few weeks. You know, they film it, you know, week to week. I think it seems like they're there for, you know, at least a month um, to figure this out. And they don't. They don't. I mean, one one season they did figure it out at the last minute. But um, there is a couple. There was at least one season where they do not solve the problem, so they don't get the prize. The idea is they only win as a group and get the prize if um, they figure out who everyone's match is. And they get more money depending on the more matches they get. Um, but they only get the full prize if they have figured it all out. And they should be able to figure it out, you would think, um, because they play all these games. There's a lot of times where their chemistry is matched up against each other, and they should be able to figure it out, but they just can't. They just can't. And I, that's the most interesting thing to me about that show, is that the, those people are literally in a room with... There's only like, I don't know, 12 potential people that their match could be, and even after spending all these days with them, they they just don't have any... Usually, very little success. Very little success.
1: See, and I think the other thing that's wild to me, too, is that like I just... I think uh, like, kind of hearing that, right? Like, uh, like that sounds fun. It sounds like a fun as exercise. Get, and as they get matched
0: like, up, they get pulled out of the group and set to their own little, like, um, kind of bungalow for the rest of the remaining period of time. Um, so that's
1: what happens on Love Island?
0: Uh, that's that's what happens on uh on excuse me are you the one this mtv show oh, i'm describing gotcha, uh, love island gotcha. love island uh, actually increases numbers over the course of the show and then they so- slowly whittle it down uh, right at the very end so at some point in love island you actually have like a lot of competitors like over two dozen at least and they're constantly shuffling them too. certain people get kicked out the number expands until it hits a certain like a diamond shape let's call it it like expands to that and then they start like whittling people off
1: OK, see, so like so like if so like if you were to pitch this to me, like mm-hmm. I would be like, that sounds like a fun, like sociological experiment or uh-huh. something. That sounds like a fun experience.
0: Yes, it is. I would
1: certainly not think that I was going to find the one out of any of those situations. Those people are
0: convinced that they will, or at least the people in are you the one? Let's say at least half of them are strongly emotionally convinced that they will walk out of their finding the one and they become the most problematic for the group because they become so attached. Usually the first person they become attached to, that they kind of blow they it. They become forever. convinced that that's their yes. one. Yeah. Even though the whole group and the, you know, the, you know, everyone who can is telling them like, hey, you know, you should really like think about this a little bit more. It's not can't it odds are, mathematically speaking, it's not going to be the first person you just have feelings for. Um, so okay, so this
1: yeah. so this is really odd too, because like I I mean, and I know that I just like reinforced this idea mm-hmm. by saying that like we're going to have like model train enthusiasts dating show.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Um but this idea that like it's some weird quirky thing about your personality that's going to be what makes you attracted to somebody else that has that same weird quirky thing about their personality. Oh, you're both model train enthusiasts. Surely you're going to get along. But of course like that has like nothing to do with compatibility in the end. Right? Correct. Like that has nothing to do with yes. it. Like it's more about like okay, like I like to vacuum.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you don't right like so like actually that's gonna work out really well exactly. when we it all is, move in is, together it like, is
0: truly like that and and i think that the the level to which that goes overlooked in in reality that's an unexploited element in reality programming is to find out who the best uh domestic partners would be regardless of any other circumstance like who would be the best like living partners i think competing to find that out would be fucking hilarious and amusing in so many different ways um that would be because like otherwise it's
1: always like yeah because like otherwise like even on love connection it's like i'm a busy woman and you know i need a man who treats me right you know and it's like it's still not like it still doesn't feel like I, i don't know like it still feels very superficial in that way right like it sounds like they're still describing like a fun one night stand or like a fun date, but it doesn't it yeah. still doesn't sound like what we're describing here is true love. And I feel like Chuck Woolery on Love Connection, I think, did that like wink, wink of like, oh, these people are going to go bone. Like, that's why they're here. You know, <laughs>
0: that is the case. And that's funny to think about that. Um, um, that even in a broadly aired, widely watched show, at that point in time, the concept of a relationship, or even probably if you had, well, it would be a little bit different today, but I I think that at that point in time, and probably for quite a period of time after, um, that the idea of a perfect date was was assumed as like the language to describe like a perfect relationship, yeah. It It is funny, because in the mind of time, really the perfect date was the point of a perfect relationship. Or well, vice versa, but to different people. Hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, now I'm just stuck on this like, yeah, now I'm just stuck, I feel like, on this like distinction between reality shows where it's like the point is to bang someone versus yeah. like but where I, the point is to like, I'm here to find true love. Because again, like I feel like I I, I could I couldn't even begin to describe like what like, if somebody else, like, I, I actually made this joke with some of my friends about, like, when I was, like, I don't want to date anymore. Like, I give up. Like, I, I give up, like, on this swiping and this, like, all of this, like, going to bars. Like, I'd rather die, frankly. <laughs> like, like, yes, I, and I was, I like, agree. Oh, I, I t- agree <laughs> Yeah i told my friends i'm like i'm ready for arranged marriage yep. i'm like what if i got all of my like two or three of my closest friends and i'm like you you just decide we're gonna just have an arranged marriage and yeah. you're gonna pick, pick and whoever that is for me, like, we'll sort out like
0: differences and difficulties and ultimately those things are so small they don't matter to the long run and yeah it's right just, yeah uh-huh.
1: and i was like i'm ready to like do that but like of course like that was like a joke haha lol right. because like at the same time like no, like, like, w- w- what criteria are you possibly going to use that, that like? are you going to be like oh this is another model train enthusiast yeah what's like I again what are they
0: scoring yeah exactly
1: right like i mean i'm not a model train enthusiast but like if i look around at like here and like like you know i have like a bunch of books or something you Mm -hmm. know if somebody was like oh like they also read or something like i'd be like no that could (laughs) mean
0: 17 million things yeah
1: yeah exactly i was like
0: there are books about literally everything (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's what i mean right like what else are they gonna seize upon like (laughs) of here of my of my hobbies like they also have to like podcasts no (laughs) no
0: yeah (laughs) no not required (laughs) definitely not
1: i don't cook right like so like at least i don't like to i i I like to (laughs) like i mean i can i just prefer not to right so like
0: these things all need to be solved right and and uh yeah
1: yeah, like that's like a real one like again like the real one is like like I like I, I like I said I like to vacuum that's not true actually don't right like <laughs> um I prefer to sweep
0: yes. and to mop okay. like oh
1: I oh, put a broom in my hand watch watch what happens magic like a witch right I, I but, like doing
0: all the things that involve machines or hiring a housekeeper those are great those are both yeah. things I yeah. enjoy doing oh
1: my god yeah <laughs> uh the reason i clean a pan immediately handle. is because i hate doing the dishes but i do also love doing the dishes because i i i get a perverse joy in making everything tidy like and and like making the counter like just perfect
0: yes i love arranging and, so, and then i get
1: mad if there's even like a stray crumb
0: My favorite task, um, although it is shared in this home, is arranging the coffee table and the various uh, paraphernalia and and items that belong on that table. Any given scenario, I just love preparing, setting the tableau for the evening.
1: The still life, yeah, the still life,
0: exactly. The mise en place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, speaking actually, I like laundry. I like laundry. Laundry is something I will do. Um, Some
1: people hate laundry. They fucking hate it. it I'm just like, I'll do it.
0: Yeah, I find it is the time to kind of just look at, think about just folding those laundry, nothing else. You yeah, know, there is a show that is about kind of what we were just talking about. It's called Too Hot to Handle, which I'm sure you've seen it on Netflix pop up every once in a while. It's, it's a dating show that's about like essentially chastity. Um, you're supposed to kind of do everything without physical contact. And although it is a permitted, you are basically billed for it. The whole group of people is billed for it. Um. And you're supposed to, like, the whole idea is basically for that a bunch of hot young people are around a bunch of other hot young people who thought that they were going on a reality program to, like, get down and dirty and drink and party and just bone down and stuff. But in reality, they're on a reality program where the prize will be won by not touching or kissing or having sex in any capacity, although it is permitted. But they'll get caught. Mm -hmm. Isn't that wild? Too hot to handle Netflix. Yeah. I'm thinking about watching wow. it soon, but um. Yeah. So
1: how does that play into like what did I sign up for? So right, so at that point they'd be allowed like 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 would they be allowed to be like, yeah okay no, but I signed up for a reality TV show where I thought I was gonna bang, and that's not what I'm getting, so I'm leaving.
0: Maybe they hire You'd an like extra people, third of people <laughs> and just see. I don't. I don't. And know they the had to this. like
1: pull in the like jer- like like the 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 what is it the like. Um, the alternates of the jury pool as yeah, it were exactly right? they thought
0: they were getting uh, mtv spring break um but they're getting like mtv spring break but what's televised <laughs> like you don't get to see you know none of the fun parts <laughs> yeah wow yeah uh but i think that that's a pretty cool concept it makes me think about um also how you could have I mean, c- considering how many dating shows there are now, and how Netflix is investing so heavily in reality shows, I think that there is so many unexploited concepts for reality shows that um, just dynamics that haven't even been examined yet, I- even twists on current dynamics that would just be more interesting than current ones that exist. Um, always, uh, oh, the wheels are always turning, and I think that uh, people who are into interests is definitely a way to go. So, train fans, look out.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'm down. I mean, I'm still down. Uh, oh, I'm just I just, I remain gross. skeptical, you yeah. know? But maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that's what I will discover is that, um, you know, ju- that the real discovery here wasn't just the love between two model train enthusiasts. Yes. Rather, the real discovery is that such a thing is in fact not just possible, mm-hmm. but a reality. <laughs>
0: yes, the true love is the trains we made along the way really (laughs) yeah it was the true the true love was the the fields of greenery we flocked along the way Um,
1: oh my god mm -hmm. oh my god the true love i'm so ready to make train dioramas
0: (laughs) the o-scale trains that we laid the track down together for
1: (laughs) wow it'll
0: happen we'll get we'll find it we'll find new mexico's greatest train fans um, oh my
1: god! I mean, yeah, that's gonna be George R. Martin. I know that he, he is... like bought a train. He, he has, like has he a like, train he that runs bought... throughout
0: his house. Is, I think.
1: I mean, but like the new, but the new train. There's like a train that like there's like a real train okay. you can ride it, and it's like the Germ Train. This is. You didn't hear about this? No, on, but I am
0: not surprised that it exists. Please tell me more. Is this like a rescue version of the Santa Fe like railroad or something like that, or is he is is he pulling up? old railroads and making it new again or all these and more I will know. This is exciting.
1: I think it just opened.
0: Wow. It's real exciting.
1: Mm-hmm. Hold on, I'm going to drop this in the chat. This is someone's Yeah. Uh, like blog. But let me see if I can find like the Santa Fe Reporter or something. Oh, here's like a legit, yeah, here's like a legit article from Travel and Leisure, you know, yeah. the premier name in Travel and Leisure
0: i'm a, I'm a premier fan of travel i actually think i do subscribe
1: i I prefer leisure myself <laughs> yeah I like leisure
0: in the place that i'm at typically
1: yeah Although I, I mean i'll permit i like to travel, travel. but yeah. but I'm a woman of leisure, so I feel like you know you can just do it wherever you want and there you are <laughs> You know? this, is why I'm into, this is
0: why we're discussing uh, forms of media that don't involve you having to go anywhere. I mean, if this was a baseball podcast, we could talk about, well, no, you can watch virtually every baseball game from the comfort of your own home. What am I saying?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, maybe this is, I mean, I, this may even be why I live in Santa Fe, so that I never have to leave. Right? It's, it's like... Yeah. It's beautiful, like really. What what, what am I going to see that's better? The Alps? Get the fuck out of here! I've seen them. At well, they're whatever.
0: <laughs> at most, you drive to Albuquerque to see a a show, a concert. That's it. A Everything else you got, somebody. you don't really need to leave it. <laughs> that's at <it> most, really.
1: <laughs> but you're right that the Albuquerque buses are like terrifying if you're on the outside of them (laughs) like if you're on the inside you're fine like it's just gonna be some colorful characters but like nothing's gonna happen inside the bus it's it's totally fine
0: it's it's amazing (laughs) how much of a local joke that is that i just flipped into that without even it's true everyone in the outside world just google abq and bus and just see what comes up. And I guarantee you're going to be surprised by the frequency of the dates in between those articles. That's all I'm yeah. going to
1: say. And you're also going to find that, l- like, exactly zero of the articles are, like, crazy person on bus. Yeah, it's never that. passengers. It's, nope. it's never that. that. It is never. It's, I just want to always just give a shout out to even though albuquerque is crazy it ain't that crazy no
0: it's usually someone forgetting that there's a car or there's a bus specific lane or a a bus forgetting that there's a bus
1: forgetting that there is a bus specific lane
0: (laughs) it's true it really is what it is (laughs) 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 these are all for buses right yeah okay cool
1: i've been doing this for long enough Oh, my God. We could forget all of the Albuquerque bus enthusiasts. Speaking of, by the way. Yeah. So um, there is a um, when you are a student at UNM, you can download the Lobo app. I mean, you could probably even download it without being a student. You could do it if you want. Yeah. But the real reason that you get it is because like um, it's connected to the like Albuquerque like real time bus location. So like you can open the, the map and you can see where all the buses are around UNM. So you can see like, Oh, like the fucking express on central is on its way. Yeah. Oh wait. So is the like UNM blue shuttle or whatever. Right. Cause there's like the internal shuttles. And then you see just this like little frogger of a bus, like make these like little circles as it goes around. I know. Cause I've sat there waiting like inside yeah because it's like cold and in the winter like you don't want to wait outside like what those what like no like i'm gonna wait right by the entrance of the fucking building so that i can get to the bus right anyway so speaking of like that surveillance it's just like really cute because it's like the albuquerque version of like sophisticated technology
0: and we're just like that's, yeah, it is. It reminds me of like ADSB exchange with the thing with the cargo ships. Yeah, you can just like, you know, will see what the buses are up to. See what they're doing right now. Just check in. I think um, Lee Tran might have something like that too. our little local bus that not many people use. Um,
1: That's so cute. I love it. Yeah. I mean, but I hate it. Right. <laughs> like, I love it because like as a commuter, like I appreciate the information. But like as someone who like I wishes surveillance wasn't a thing. Oh, which reminds me, I just I I need to crack it open. But like, I've been moving. So like, I've been like unboxing all of my books and stuff. And of course, like looking at them with like very new eyes. I found a book about surveillance that I want to be able to get through. Because I feel like this is also where our voyeurism and obsession with reality TV comes from. It's like also the like normalization of the surveillance state, which I don't like. Right. Which is why I didn't want to get up and go to the fucking window. I didn't want to tweet about it, and yet I did. But I did it from my seat. I didn't go to the window. I want to just be clear about that.
0: And you did it to amuse people like me and others, which is a funny thing to think about. That we kind of overlooked that a lot, like as we're what we're really doing is we're kind of uh, we're pushing it out to that number that follows us, and then that kind of cloudy number that also is on the periphery of that. Um,
1: I mean, I want to. I I I do want. I mean, as as much as I love engagement and the likes and the faves and the retweets, I, I want to be clear that I I I feel like I I treat my twitter account like my diary yeah and in fact it's it's gotten harder actually to be candid on it because more people i know in real life follow me on it and, yes. yes and 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 i i'd i would i would rather not be known or found um note when that i tweet out the things that i say note
0: that we've never said our twitter handles on this podcast and we may never
1: so. <laughs> i may not. yeah no they i mean maybe you found it because of it but if you didn't like i maybe i don't want you to know right (laughs) but you might because if you if you know how to google
0: if you do you do if you don't then whatever
1: (laughs) yeah and i'd kind of rather they not like uh, honestly like yeah me too you know but that's okay um but anyway all that is a way of saying right like uh, I, I find that I use my Twitter account as, like, a, a way to remember things for myself, right? So, like, I, I'll I'll say to myself, oh, I remember when I did XYZ and I want to find a photo of that. Like, I can just search myself and, like, that keyword and I'll find it. And, like, there it is. Then I can be like, oh, look, here's the time that I made the world's biggest taco. I don't know, whatever. Whatever it is that I did. It's
0: That's stupid. The- those are the, those are the kinds of records I keep too. And all my journals are like that too. They're just um, words that I know that like if I was to look at them again, I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, I totally I'll get that whole concept back, or I'll be able to Google that and be like, okay, there it okay. was. Yeah. Um, I find that. To I be mean, and I do m- also have like useful.
1: a personal journal. I have a written journal. I cannot also. maintain
0: that. I can't. It's the dedic- It's not. I don't know. It's the regularity. It has to be regular for me to like see it as value. And I guess I just can't keep that.
1: Can okay, I hold it up on the screen so you can see why and how I use that real quick? So I like mine is very simple. Oh mm-hmm. wait, hold on. <laughs> hold on no, I have no, to yeah, turn it, off the it virtual it background because it's just hold on. <sighs> okay, there it is. So, oh wait, hold on. Let me do that. Uh, this one. So it's got like the week, and it just has these very short little boxes, and that's how I use it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, I see. so
1: like so like i like there's like zero pressure on me to like feel like i have to like write lots of pages
2: mm-hmm.
1: for this experience that happened today and instead i just have like um uh, let's see is there an entry that i can share uh, like so for example on on wednesday it said happy birthday to me
0: okay here's here's some here's something that i wrote down recently Adam Curtis has a really odd idea of usage of viewers' time. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Greenspan surprise that Clinton would oblige? Question mark? Someone. Then, below that, I put the new economy with two stars next to it. <laughs> that was my notes from reading an Adam Curtis documentary uh there's pages of notes like this you can see it's all just it's like keywords
1: <laughs> i i wrote down the words ethically sourced meat when i was watching gordon ramsay's behind bars that's an interesting
0: phrase ethically sourced meat um i feel like this there's so much room for debate that you could never really say that right yeah okay here's my notes from today here we go audience members at home. It is a mess. Kathy is looking at it. That's delightful. I uh, love it. Yeah. There's a post-it note in the middle that says Edward G spot hands, because I had used that note previously to write down an idea um, from a while ago. And it ended up being the thing that I wrote down train fans and travel and leisure on, and then stuck right in the middle of my notes. And that's how I'll remember everything that we talked about today.
1: So my podcast notebook, however, I use graph paper. Um, because wow. i I prefer graph paper to any other type of paper. yeah blank blank paper very overwhelming. I can't deal <laughs> cannot deal
0: <laughs> I, I need I need blank paper because I sometimes I want to draw a weird shape or picture or something and then the lines just can't I don't know I can't uh... see, but that's
1: why I use the graph paper. That's <laughs> precisely why I do it. see so uh, all this means right is that like it's fine like like it's totally fine. we would not be on the graph paper enthusiast dating show (laughs) not together
0: i have have one more uh book that i want to dip into here (laughs) speaking of uh diaries here is a here is here's a book that i've been dipping into uh in the last couple days uh this is true story i've been talking about this a little bit first i'm going to read from it um and i'm just gonna read the first couple pages in here because I think it's exactly what we've been talking about. And it's about um, the intro to the show that we've been discussing. Kim is always late. This is the family section. The chaos of daily life in a family with six kids is set to self consciously hokey theme music, which I always found very interesting that um, no one in the show ever really addresses that knowingly. But it is, uh, you know, it's silly, goofy music on purpose. Um, even though the show is very, I think, very. Um, you know, more elegant and produced than the theme music really uh, suggests. Chris is the mothered hen arranging her children for the camera and ordering her husband to make an outfit change. Awful. Each of the siblings then gets a moment in front of the lens. This is just, just describing the intro, but I find the way that it colors it very interesting. Chloe asks whether the wind effects are necessary. No, that is not cute, Courtney tells the camera, touching her hair. Rob says he needs someone to make him laugh. These are all very uh, illustrative character moments. Pre-teens Kylie and Kendall pose back-to-back, Charlie's angel style, angling their fingers into guns. Finally, Kim, recognizable from her her ubiquitous sex tape, sweeps in late in a red bandage dress, positioning herself dramatically in front of the others. The clan jostles one another for a bit before they finally come to rest, settling in a group pose in front of their suburban home. When reality TV first introduces us to the Kardashian-Jenners in the 2007 title sequence of their show, it is as a family— Indeed, the cover of Cosmopolitan dubbed them America's first family in 2015, sparking outrage that this seemingly vapid gaggle could serve as ambassadors of our culture. Hmm. But while critics might scoff that, it is, that nothing is sacred to the clan, as the religion scholar Catherine Lofton has pointed out, the Kardashian-Jenners suggest that what's sacred for them is the clan itself. They use the word family over and over on their show and in social media posts. Their devotion to one another is a useful narrative that no doubt helps to sustain their popularity. But it's not just a narrative. Functionally, they were a family before the e-network came to their, into their lives, and they will still be one now that it has departed, which it's back, but Hulu this time. More broadly, stemming back to 1973's An American Family, which we've talked about here on the podcast, families have always been a central focus of the reality genre. This is a, uh, if you don't remember, this is a uh, reality show that appeared on PBS it was essentially uh it's frequently credited as the first reality program, even though this book itself doesn't credit it as the first reality program. It credits it as at least the cloudy origin that everyone points to as the origin of the reality program. Um The devotion to one another is a useful narrative and no doubt helps sustain their popularity. Uh, More broadly, summing back to the American family, okay, the genre supposedly showcases unscripted human experience. The families are fundamental to that experience. As the sociologist William J. Goode has observed, the family is the one institution beyond religion that has been formally developed in all societies. Though reality TV relatives may not always look like or act like ours, they show us what our families do for us and the reasons that these groups remain such an integral part of our lives. And they demonstrate that while families and our roles within them may have changed, we continue to conceptualize the family in a fairly homogenized way. Uh, Let's see. Should I read? I'll read uh, one more little section here. Why do the Kardashian-Jenners need one another? As Good has explained, families shoulder a tremendous weight for all of us, doing things that would be infeasible to pawn off in other social groups. While we might rely on the public school system to teach our kids calculus, for instance, family members are most likely to be the ones teaching their children how to talk, hold a spoon, and brush their hair. Families provide physical maintenance of their members, for example, feeding, bathing, grooming, as well as emotional support. And especially in the United States, where we don't have universal health care or child care, families do a lot of the caring for the ill, elderly, disabled, and very young. During the pandemic, for instance, many of us hunkered down in our family units, drawing emotional, physical, and financial support from our kin. Others were devastated to be severed from their family support systems. Similarly, while government sometimes steps in to punish those who violate our social rules. Families do much of the labor of keeping their members on an an even keel. You're probably not going to initiate legal action when your teen sasses you or your toddler pilfers candy from the cupboard. I found that very interesting um, because it begins a whole section on the Kardashians. But um, that book, I think, really found the line to back up their arguments with academic research. And I've found thinking about how to go about doing that on our own like uh, it kind of inspires me to like figure out how to like go to those journals we talked about find them to then back up our claims and i think the more that we do that um you know the more cool and professional we will sound but also then the e-network will um send us an email (laughs) so Uh, unlikely but uh you know It'll be cool.
1: One of the really fascinating things that, like, like got triggered in my brain when you said that. Yes. Like, the, the thing that I, like, immediately latched onto yes. was, like, um, the depiction of the family. And it occurs to me that, like, it was literally, like, in the first season of I Love Lucy mm. that Lucy gets pregnant. And then we see her pregnant in season two. Like, she's, like, pregnant in real life.
0: Oh, And
1: that's why they have to introduce Little Ricky to the plot of I Love Lucy. And indeed, okay, so like in the like weird trivia section of I Love Lucy, the episode where Little Ricky is born on the show aired the same day that Lucille Ball gave birth in real life.
0: That's a wild coincidence wow
1: so like so like i, I don't know like so like again like it, it it feels yeah. like i've come back full circle like like this fucking off the cuff bullshit joke i made of and I like I think I said it as a joke initially of like I Love Lucy is the first reality TV show, but I didn't really say it as a joke. Like I meant it like and yeah. now I'm just like, no, I agree. I feel like I'm getting like reinforced in that. It's like, yes. hey, that wasn't just like some bullshit you made up. No. dude. Like like that's real. And, like, and I feel
0: whatever. I feel like um, it made sense to me maybe because I read that book and I meant it. I, I dissected it in a very legitimate way at the time, but it makes me think even that maybe the reason that reality shows didn't exist before 1973 is because we simply didn't have the visual like vocabulary to like make a show or like interpret like what carrying a camera around or how effective it could be because simply like no one had ever done enough of it to, I don't know. know it was a thing. I mean, if you really think about it, like uh home movies and video cameras and all that kind of stuff, like that's what created kind of, we kind of collectively created this aesthetic of carrying a camera around filming someone. But before that, I mean, it was very, rarely, very rarely handheld cams were very rarely used in, in cinematography before the 70s. I think I'm pretty sure. I know even like the Steadicam wasn't even like a thing that existed until like what uh, that movie with the cars, the car chases, <laughs> wasn't that like um, French <coughs> Connection? Wasn't that like the first movie to use a Steadicam? Anyway, maybe I'm completely wrong on that one, but and completely no. See, off-face. and so right
1: now that you said that, it also made me think of the Wonder Years.
0: Oh, okay. Because The yeah. Wonder
1: Years has that a lot, right? Yeah, Where it's like, aesthetic. oh, here's me having like a recollection of yeah. all of this shit. It, t- oh, according to Wikipedia, it too is a slice of life genre. Hmm. You know, yeah, my favorite genre, slice of life.
0: <laughs> I remember that. That was the <laughs> hardest I've ever laughed on this podcast so far is when I had to be described over and over again what slice of life was, even though I was describing it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what is it? <laughs> um, maybe that about does it for us. No, today. wasn't it
1: based on a movie too? <laughs> this stupid thing. I mean,
0: I don't even remember the Wonder whatever. Years was. The Wonder- was it? Oh, yes, it was. The Wonder Years is based on some. It's based on something for sure. And it says it at the beginning of the show. It might even like they might even credit the thing. Here, I can. Look I'm totally looking for it. Okay, I'll let you do it.
1: I'm just like, eh, there's... Somebody we'll, we'll really loves that. The Wonder Years on Wikipedia. We'll close on
0: how The Wonder Years was at Junkly, um, a reality television show, based on the fact that it was based on... Um, a real-life story written like... by Fred Savage about uh, his cousin, Kevin Arnold, who was a teenager growing up... <laughs> no, I'm just making that up.
1: That did not happen. <laughs> no, No, I can't even find it.
0: Did you know that Daniel Stern uh, from uh, all those things is the adult version of Kevin? Daniel Stern of, of Home Alone. Yeah.
1: Did he do the... Oh, he does the narration, too.
0: Yeah. I didn't know that.
1: Whoa. Whoa.
0: Huh. How about that? Now I'm looking at the Wonder Years logo and I'm thinking very much that it reminds me of the Home Alone logo and how Daniel Stern is also in that. Um, anyway.
1: No, it's not based on a movie. Okay. It, I guess it's just like original TV. It
0: won a primetime Emmy after only six episodes. Wow. So someone thought it was good in 1988. Wow. Okay. Well, we've learned a lot in today's show. We've learned about how the Wonder Years is is once again a, a, the, an adjunct yeah. reality show. The Isle of Lucy. We've confirmed that we will find journalistic uh, backing to, for our claims that it is the first reality yeah. show. That's and, what I'm um, going to say. And on top of all and of that,
1: and if not, I'm a fucking write it.
0: We will. We'll. We'll, uh, um, we'll. 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 We'll figure this out. We'll put it together, and um, that's the way that we'll get our podcast out there. Is we'll have the first scholarly article. Um, by a college dropout and, and someone who knows about how to get access to journal articles. <laughs> yeah, right. And it'll be well-respected among our peers.
1: Finally. Finally. <laughs>
0: finally, respect you know among why? our peers. You know will be on TV. About, exactly. We'll be writing about TV on TV. Um, hmm. I'll have to find... Nope, she doesn't have a show anymore. Wendy Williams would have had us on to talk about this. I'll have to find her replacement.
1: There was a reboot? Uh,
0: yeah, Wendy Williams has fallen fallen ill, um, and someone has taken her place. Yes. Now we're ending the show on a sad note. What can I say oh, before no. we leave to get everyone back on their feet?
1: Oh, that um, the people who made The Wonder Years, they also made Growing Pains and the show Ellen, so we can blame them for that. Yes, But... Because they are a married couple who made all of those television shows, that means that they have lived out the David Byrne reality mm-hmm. that is predicted mm-hmm. in that fucking song Find by the Talking Heads. Mm-hmm.
0: I, i've always I, i'm frequently and, and 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 i will go on just a little bit more about this family i'm thinking uh, the phrase the family or no excuse me the phrase the couple from that talking head song now represents this couple um i've been seeing other people say this lately if you google it i'm not the only person who's been saying it on twitter for the last three months um so that's funny yeah the couple from the talking Heads song
1: Yeah, that's this is them now. Let's convert it. It's clear.
0: I'm just going to keep saying this until it turns into a phrase that people say.
1: Yeah, no, this is this is who this is. And like maybe we're wrong, but like we're going to say it over and over again. Eventually it's going to show up in a citation Mm -hmm. in an academic journal and it will Mm -hmm. have become the truth because that's that's how you know the truth is. It gets cited in an academic journal.
0: And then someone talks about it on a podcast and then it becomes part of popular culture. And, that's uh, right. and then the loop continues and then we've done our job and, and
1: uh, we're just wagging the dog here that's all we're doing
0: actually if you really think about it we are and it's beautiful because it means we're creating our own space to exist in it's kind of like uh howard stern except less offensive um
1: we are the music makers we are the dreamers of the dream
0: it's true and, and that's how we'll close out. Kathy had the, the final word. She developed uh, an amazing uh, quotation from someone or, or an original work. Was that an original work? Or did you just oh, yeah. That no, out? that's
1: totally a quotation. Okay. I, I mean, I'm going to say it's like Willy Wonka because that's like I think where most people recognize it from. Mm-hmm. But I'm always quoting the fucking Aphex Twin song, which is sampling the Willy Wonka because I want to get together with nothing but Apex Twin enthusiasts on my own dating show.
0: Quickly give us the name of the title track so I can make it at the outro.
1: Oh, I have no idea. I'll I'll, I'll do the research. Oh, it's one of the ambient works. I don't remember. (laughs) Okay.
0: I'll I'll do the... The name of the track
1: is We Are the Music Makers. That I do remember. I'll put that Mm -hmm. on. There we go. Okay.
0: Perfect. Okay. We'll be back, everyone, in a week or so. And uh, until then, just watch a bunch of reality TV and then bother us about it. If you know how to contact us, you can figure it out or you already know it already. So (laughs) tell us what you're watching and maybe we'll watch it. And uh, by the way, keep watching baseball and uh, we'll, I'll keep uh, thinking about watching Baseball Wives. I mean, keep thinking about watching it. I just have to be in the right mood to watch nine episodes of a show from 2009 that was canceled.
1: And yeah, I haven't even started. Yeah. And, like, I haven't even started watching baseball.
0: We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm getting there. I'm <laughs> getting there. Goodbye, everyone. Wait a minute. I must show you
2: this. bit Little-
0: taste like strawberries. The snozberries taste like snozberries. Snozberries.
2: Who ever heard of a snozberry? We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams.